what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Leadership Leaning. This is the home edition. We are bringing you some Leadership Leaning content via the virus, via the home cast. Uh, hey, I just want to say uh, we hope everyone is uh, safe and doing okay. Uh, these are wild days that are pretty unprecedented and uh, uncharted waters for all of us. But uh, I just want to say thank you for stepping up and being the leader that you're called to be right now. We need a uh, courageous leadership. And uh, it's interesting because right now, courageous leadership doesn't look like uh, what we might think that is. A lot of times we think that it comes in a certain format. It looks like being loud and out there. Uh, when right now, uh, it could be being inside and leading from a lot of Zoom meetings and a lot of uh, content that you're putting out, uh, encouragement. But I just want to say thank you so much for being the leader uh, that you are called to be. It, it's still the most felt need thing in the world is leadership. So thank you for leading. Thank you for being who you're supposed to be. And um, I'm very excited about uh, the possibilities, the potential of what we can do through this time. So uh, thank you for subscribing. Thank you for commenting. Thank you for all the things uh, that you're doing uh, to get Leadership Leading out there. I have a very special guest with me on the home edition of Leadership Leading. I have with me one of my favorite people, and I love her and her husband so, so much. She just hit yesterday New York Times bestseller for her brand new book, the gift of forgiveness. Uh, right now, uh, I want to go to an interview that I just uh, recorded earlier with Katherine Schwarzenegger Pratt. Uh, she's the best of the best. You're going to love what she has to say about uh, the gift of forgiveness and uh, thoughts on families. So uh, we're going to go right now to the interview. Check it out. I hope you enjoy. We love you. Stay safe, everybody. Our house yeah, is so healthy. Our Julia, our house. <laughs> <laughs> it is a homeschool zone right now. I can't imagine with four kids at home. I can't even. It's actually kind of unreal. But but Julia's got it on a schedule. Like we're we're locked in. We got a great schedule. I know. I sent her that schedule because every like all my mom friends were like freaking out about the like what am I supposed to do for this many hours during the day? And I'm like, Gosh. I don't know. One of the groups that my heart goes out to is the homeschool parents. It's like, it's so real because on a dime, your life stops and you're now a teacher. A hundred percent. Well, also like Chris was saying, he's like, I bet you after this, a lot of people are going to want to home start like homeschooling their kids. I was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> after this, a lot of people are going to be like teacher theater raise. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. It's quite the opposite. That's what they're gonna do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. You guys are good though? Yeah, we're good. We're staying quarantined in our house to like an extreme degree. Great. I'm like, uh, one of my friends, her boyfriend broke up with her and she was like crying. And I was, she's like, can I come over? I was like, we can FaceTime. <laughs> but come over, I can't do it. <laughs> she gets offended. You give her the book. I know. I'm like. Give the forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> what? Too good. Times. Strange it's, times. It's too. It's strange times. Yeah, very unbelievable. Very. I I um I text Patrick the other day and he Facetime me right away, and he was like, 
he was drinking this iced coffee. And I'm like, where did you go? Like, because, because, you know, blue bottles closed. He's like, yeah, I went to Cafe Lux. Like, you just see the disappointment in his face. He's like, <laughs> ah, your hard days. I know. I'm like, Patrick, please don't stop going to out to like get coffee. And so now whenever he goes to get coffee or he exits the house at my mom's house, I tell him that when he, upon entrance back into the house before he can repopulate, he has to take off his shoes, take off his clothes and put it in the washing machine and shower because that's what Dr. Oz said. And I was like, if wow. Dr. Oz said it. If doc yeah, 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 that's just like biblical truth. If Dr. Oz said it. Yeah, you have to. So he thinks I'm being dramatic, but I was like, it's scary with your parents, you know, like that's the scary thing. It's scary with your parents. Also for us, it's scary. We have a, a my daughter is, has an immune. Yeah. Uh, I know. That, that can't handle this. Yeah, I know. Like that's, that's what freaks me out. And that's why like all, I think all of those young um, college kids and like high school kids who were treating last week, like it was spring break, they're all getting sick this week. And I'm like, yeah, because you guys decided to go out and like mess everything up for everyone else. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. I just, I, I just don't see the, the end in sight. That's the problem. It's like, I just don't, there's not like a date that you can go, Oh, we're going to be good by this date. I know. See I know. It. It's scary. It's kind of wild. Um, yeah. Well, hey, congrats on New York Times. It's unbelievable. Thank you. I thought Chris's post was so great about it. Coming down. It was so cute. It's so good. Yeah, we had just like gone on a walk outside. And when you go on walks, it's like six feet distance with any every person that you. Yeah, yeah. It's like a mutual understanding with everybody who's walking. But yeah, when mm. I got that call yesterday, because of course I got a missed call from a bunch of different people, like my book agent, my manager, my publisher. And I was like, oh my God, something terrible happened with the book. Like that's of course where my mind goes. I'm like, something really bad happened. Like I must've done something horribly wrong. And then they call me and they're like, no, you're, you're on the New York Times. I was like, what, what? Oh my God. I was like, <laughs> Chris came downstairs. He's like, oh my God, what's wrong? What's happened? What's what wrong? Happened? I was like, <laughs> we did it. I did it. I guess. Oh yeah. my gosh. Emotional times. <laughs> no, it's, such, it's such a big deal. It's such a massive deal. That is a massive accomplishment that you will wear with you for the rest of your life. Like, yeah, no, it felt good just because it's like also the 22 people in the book were just, oh. it's like, I, I was also, when I got that news, I was like so happy for all of them in it too. And it's like two and a, I mean, you know how long and it takes to do a book and like how much work and effort goes into it. And it's kind of like, yeah. some people are just like, oh, it's a book, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> this is a lot. It's like yeah. it's so much work to get it, you know, out there and done. And then we had this whole, you know, like two and a half week book tour planned. And that was, you know, disrupted. Right. So you're just kind of like, I don't know what, but for Lent, I gave up, um, uh, controlling things. So wow. this was a real test for me last week when they were like, you're going home tomorrow. And I was like, okay. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> I okay. Under understood, understood. I'll just yeah. let it go. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I also feel like every author is different, right? Every author puts in different amount of work, but yeah. knowing this project from like the genesis of this whole thing, yeah. It's like you worked 
really hard, like more than most anyone that I know. And to see, to, to read that yesterday, I was like, wow, she put in the time and the dedication to make a product that people want to read. I was reading it this morning and going through it again and just kind of, you know, going through the stories and going, this is really powerful stuff. It's very powerful. Like I got, I got a little emotional reading a couple <laughs> stories again going like, oh my gosh, you just, you forget. And what I loved about the book is that you covered so many different facets of forgiveness and stories that it's not limited to one experience. Yeah. I love that about the book. Yeah, it was actually, I mean, thank you so much for saying that because the, I mean, it was important to me, as you know, since you were aware of it from like the very beginning, that it was important to have like a wide variety of different forms of forgiveness because as I have said a variety of different times in interviews and things like that, when I was, as you know, since you're a close friend, I was really struggling with forgiveness several years ago. And I, you know, was talking to a variety of different people about it. And I say that I was talking to friends and to pastors and to priests and therapists and all these different things. And I, one of the people I talked to about it was you just to like help guide me in this journey of forgiveness and compassion. And it was in, in your church that I like had this moment where I was listening to you to talk about, you were giving, um, giving a sermon and a speech on forgiveness. And, and I was like, I was just thinking about it and it showed me, it like set something off in my mind that just showed me how complicated forgiveness is and how it means something different to every single person. And I had never thought of that. And then thinking about what it meant to me, you know, I think that was like two and a half years ago that I was sitting in your church having that moment and what it meant to me then and what it means to me today is like already something different. And so it's just like a fascinating topic to me. And also one that every single one of us will come face to face with at some point in our lives, but yet we don't, it's such a confusing topic still. So it's like, it makes it that much harder to navigate our understanding and processing the whole topic because it's, it's, you know, it's such a confusing one. So um, it was, you know, the collection of people that are in this book, the 22 people, it's everyone who's practiced forgiveness in different ways, because I think a lot of people, you know, if you grew up with faith being a huge part of your life, forgiveness sometimes is a more familiar topic. And then for people who don't grow up with that in their life or, you know, grew up with it in their life and then kind of fell off of it, it's more confusing. And, you know, some people in this book have faith, others don't. So it's a good collection of different ways of practicing forgiveness. No, it's unbelievable. And I, I think you did such an unbelievable job honoring each story. I thought you honored each person in the severity, the weight of their decision. Yeah. Did it feel like some were more important than others? Like I felt like you really yeah. served each story. That was really, thank you also for saying that because that was also really important to me because some of the names in here, as I've said to people, some of the names you'll recognize and yeah. other people, other names you won't recognize, but every single story in the book is so inspiring and it's just like one is more inspiring and it's they're all equally amazing and all the people are equally incredible and every story is so different so it will set something off in every reader in a different way which was my goal and my hope with it i love that so you know here's the genesis you have this thought you have this idea 
and you start unpacking when you got into your study of the the significance of forgiveness the gift of it mm-hmm. when what were some key takeaways that you go when i when i discovered this truth about forgiveness that was an aha moment for me or this person's story really helped me understand whoa i didn't see that coming and that you know out of the 22 yeah. was there a few stories that you go this one in particular helped me personally yeah i think probably the biggest when I would talk to a bunch of different people and I would see them practicing forgiveness without and starting their forgiveness journey without having to wait for the person who wronged them or who, you know, partook in some sort of horrible event that had happened to them. That was interesting to me because, you know, I think we grow up, especially when we're little, you think that forgiveness is between two people and it takes two people And as we get older, that becomes more complicated because, you know, people are people and some people don't want to apologize. And it's been a big topic that's come up in this um, Forgiveness Ambassador Facebook page that I have, which is people talking a lot about how do you practice forgiveness when the person who caused you pain is not remorseful or apologetic or doesn't think that they've done anything wrong. And obviously I think that that causes, and I've experienced that myself and that's, it's incredibly painful, but to, to talk to the people in this book and to hear that you don't have to wait for someone to ask for forgiveness in order to start your forgiveness journey was really that. empowering to me um, and for me to hear because I think there's so many people and I was definitely one of them who you wait around for someone to come to you one day and say like, oh, by the way, and it could be 20 years by the way, I'm really sorry for what I did to you in high school, or I'm really sorry for that thing that happened in our twenties or whatever it is. And turns out a lot of people are realizing you can be waiting your whole life for that to happen. And then you're carrying this weight and the only person that it's hurting is yourself. Totally. So I think that to me was like one of the biggest, um, kind of takeaways and and most empowering takeaways was just knowing that it's actually all in my control. It's all in your control and you don't have to wait for another person to come and say to you, will you forgive me in order to start your forgiveness journey? Right. Right. Yeah. No, you know, going into your book, I, I know all these kind of old, um, we call them quotable quotes or handles that we've been saying forever. Like, forgiveness is uh, unforgiveness is drinking poison and expecting the other person to die and those kind of lines that yeah. we you know held on to for forever what is there anything that you would go man um these handles these quotes are kind of the packageable easy bite-sized things that i've been able to give people to help them to go because i think this the stories are so insightful and then i always go like this is like Jesus. Jesus always told a story and then made a statement or he made a statement and told a story. So -hmm. he always gave like a handle. Are there any truths about forgiveness that you go, these handles are things I'm trying to give to people to go. Here's a great quote to remember. Probably the most common thread. If I had to pull like a quote from everybody's story, that was a common thread is forgiveness is a gift that you give yourself. Yes. Um, So that I think is probably the biggest one. Also, when you're able to practice forgiveness, you feel a huge sense of freedom. That's yeah. another one. Um, but I, I really think that that this idea of forgiveness 
being a gift that you actually give yourself is um, will help and has helped. I think a lot of people change their perspective of forgiveness because some of us think of forgiveness as a weakness or a betrayal of our own hurt. And that's why a lot of people are stuck not wanting to practice forgiveness because it's like the idea of having experienced tremendous pain Mm. and then all of a sudden cutting yourself free from it is it feels like you're saying, Oh, I never, it feels like you're saying to yourself, I never actually experienced that pain. And then where does that pain go that I experienced and where does that hurt go? And so for me being able to really hone in on forgiveness, being a gift that you give yourself is the biggest takeaway that I try to tell every single person that like, when this, when you read this book, you'll be able to see from the people's stories that forgiveness has nothing to do with another person. It has beautiful effects on those around you, of course, because the way that it, and you see in this book, like the way that one person chooses to forgive impacts another person's life and impacts another person. And it's just like a beautiful thing. And it's also totally in your control and all about your choice and your decision to change the course of your life moving forward, free from the pains of your past. That's it. I just like the idea of, you know, kind of the concept of gardening your own heart, keeping keeping the bitterness out, which which is the trick. We want to make most of life about um, putting others in timeout and them facing the punishment for what they did to us. And it's just, the reality is that that apology is probably never coming. And if it does, it's just way too late. The damage is is done, first of all, to, to your soul. I love that idea. Um, this podcast and this um, format really is, it's called Leadership Lean In. Yeah. And it really is talking to leaders. I was thinking the power of your book is that my dad used to always say this growing up, that he said, we, we lose more leaders to offense than we do affairs. Mm-hmm. He'd always say, like, most leaders dry up, not because they're in immorality, but because they're offended. Mm-hmm. And they're offended at, you know, so-and-so didn't deliver. Uh, the, the attendance isn't what we wanted, the, the giving, the so on and so forth. So much of life is disappointment. Right. You've been around some remarkable leaders in your lifetime. Yes. What, the best of the best. <laughs> and, and your mom is at the top for me. Like your mom is one of the greatest leaders on the planet in my opinion. Yes, she is. She's unbelievable. Um, what, what is the common thread of great leaders that you see and forgiveness. Your your mom is someone that's modeled forgiveness for you, you know, your whole life. Yeah. Um, when you see great, when I talk about great leaders, what are some common denominators they have? And then also speak to their ability to forgive. I think, um, I think I, I mean, as you said, I have a lot of great leaders that I've grown up around and have been very blessed to be around. And also, as I've gotten older in my life, I've been able to also surround myself with friends that are great leaders like yourself, that people who are leaders in their communities, their churches, their families, homes. Because I think when we think of leaders, we think of like that they have to be, you know, the biggest of the big and they have to have some fancy title or some, you know, really grand um, office or place. And I think that the reality is, is that as I've gotten older, I've, really learned that there are, you know, Julia is a leader in her home that, you know, there are so many people who are leaders in so many different ways. And I, I would say that, um, that 
being driven is definitely a very big common thread between every single person that I admire, whether it's my mom or my grandma or my dad, or even my friends like you, or, you know, my husband, my siblings, every single person is driven and determined to stay on track. And of course, we're all human. So we all get knocked off that a little bit, but everyone seems to manage to come back on and to continue to be driven and not let anything get in their way. Mm -hmm. And I think that when, when I was, I think it was when I was doing my first book, my dad and my mom always said to me that you, that none of them would be where they are today if they listened to the naysayers. And so when I, Whenever I, I think of that, whenever people will say critical things or will, you know, um, try to take your passion and say that it's silly or that it's not, you know, something worth doing. I think you see so many different people, especially in my family, who people have been like, no, that's not possible or no, that you can't do that. And they've persevered through that and they've been, you know, very hardcore, very, very driven. Um, but have also always allowed room for help and for others, because I think that's what's key is that we can all do this together and it doesn't need to be just one person doing everything that it, you know, takes a village as my mom always says. And that if we can bring people along to help us in that, in our goal and in our, you know, in our leadership, that it makes it that much more amazing and beautiful. And that's why, you know, um, why I think that my parents have done a really great job at showing me leadership skills. And my mom always said to me, even when I was like in kindergarten and first grade, she was like, you're going to go to school and you'd be a leader. You're going to be a leader. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll be a leader at the snack line today. Like, <laughs> you know, like she always, she always, you know, said that to me. And my grandma always said that to me too. Like she was all, cause my grandma was very, you know, very hardcore and very driven. And she was an intense leader. And so she always said that to all of us grandkids. She was like, you'd be a strong woman. You're going to be a leader. Leadership is key. (laughs) Like, okay. (laughs) So I think growing up around that, you see a common thread of people being very driven and determined to to make a change and make a difference. That's a positive one in the world. I love that. I love that. I want to talk about family just for a moment because you, you have such a remarkable, I adore all of your family and adore uh, you. just the, the greatest. Um, and even in line with forgiveness. So it's interesting to me, the first family in the Bible has sibling rivalry so much so to the effect that the first brothers on earth, one of them murders the other brother because of competition. So yeah. from the beginning in the first book of the Bible in the first family, the family unit has been under attack. Right. One of the things I love about your family is that you actually sit around and ask each other, how can we support you more? Yeah. How can we be better siblings? How can we be a better family? Talk to me about the family value because I do think that something in culture, when I mean, you talk about two Fs that are so important that you've got going for you, and that's forgiveness and family. Most mm-hmm. people in life, those are the most destructive things to their soul. Yes. Those represent all the hardship. My family mm-hmm. and I got unforgiveness. Yes. Talk to me about the family dynamic and how we can fight for our families. What are some practices that you guys have put into place? Because in your family, sibling rivalry could be massive, but it's not. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that I would credit that all to my mom. And uh, I would say that, you know, my grandma grew up in a very large family. She had many siblings and, you know, I have a gajillion cousins. So (laughs) we've always grown up with a lot of people and with family being a huge part of our lives. And my mom always said to us when we were younger and I'm the oldest, but she always said to us, you know, your siblings you'll have forever. They're your built-in friends, your built-in teammates. They're going to be with you forever. You have to nurture the relationships, pay attention to the relationships, but they will be with you. You know, when your dad and I aren't here, when your grandparents aren't here and your cousins are everywhere. So that to me, I think set the tone when I was very young to know how important family is and also to know that those relationships need nurturing and they need attention and they need love. It's um, really important and it's the greatest gift ever. And I think, you know, my mom really, she instilled in us every single time we're together as a family or when anybody is going through a challenging time or when anyone is, you know, launching something really exciting or doing something really exciting. She really has this, you know, this sense as our mom of being, you know, how can we best support each other? How can we be better, a better and closer and stronger family? How can we do better? How can we serve each other in a better way and love each other? Because we all want to be each other's greatest cheerleaders. And she stays on that. Cause I think as she said, when you get when your kids get older, sometimes you think, oh, your parenting kind of becomes less involved or less complicated because you don't have to drive them to soccer practice or pick them up from school. But what she's saying is, it's like, she actually feels like it's, her parenting is much more active because, you know, as you become older, there are so many different things that come into play, whether it's relationships or friendships, jobs, careers, et cetera, and also people just becoming their own people that complicate things. And my mom has done a really good job, really good job maintaining our family dynamic, even when Christopher is in Michigan or Patrick was downtown at USC or Christina was in Georgetown and I was never left LA. (laughs) But, you know, I think that she, I credit the closeness of our family and the closeness of the four of us siblings completely to my mom because she talked always about the importance of having siblings and also she's incredibly close to her four brothers and I think growing up and seeing the closeness between the five of them and then knowing that that's what I always want with my siblings when I'm you know this age but also when I'm much older um she always and you know like every Christmas we all get around together and with you and we go through this you know, our year and how we can best support each other. But she also does that throughout the year and make sure that she stays on top of it because, you know, when you're far apart from each other, it becomes a little bit more challenging to do that. But, you know, I, I credit the family closeness that we have definitely to my mom. Yeah, she's unbelievable. I, you know, when I talk about her, brag about her behind her back, <laughs> I say that she is, to my knowledge, the most deliberate intentional parent that I know post high school graduation because I think a lot of parenting stops after high school or after college 
Yeah. Let's say a parent engages all the way into 22, 23. After that, it's like, hey, we're pulling back. Yeah. Allowing you to go. But your mom, what I love about her and what she's modeling for me as a parent is that you actually need your parents in your mid-20s. I mean, how much has your mom helped you make this? I'll never, I'll never forget when you first started talking to Chris, your mom called me. She goes, tell me about this I'm guy. Sure. Do, you, do you vouch for him? Is he a good man? I mean, she's yeah, like, because no my nonsense. Mom, I know she's definitely no nonsense. My mom has like no time for nonsense at all. But she, um, you know, she is somebody that I go to with pretty much every single decision that I have to make. And, and even like when I just want to pick her brain about something, I'm, I'm also realizing that as I get older, I call my mom constantly with even like little things, like I'll have questions about house things or relationship things or, you know, um, step parenting things or just friendship or work stuff, like all the different things. And I'm like, I said to my mom recently, I was like, you are like this giant well of wisdom that I'm just like, every day I'm like, pick up another cup. And I'm just like, it, it never stops. Like the amount of wisdom that my mom has is truly remarkable. And it's the greatest gift because since I get to, you know, be her daughter and I get to just go to her with every single question that I have, it's an incredible blessing to have in my life that she is truly a wise, wise woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love it. And I, I feel like um, in the same way that it's been modeled for you, I feel like you'll walk in that wisdom and walk in that grace. I'm really, really excited for you and thrilled for this new project. And to be honest, the ripple effect, the, the testimonies, the stories that will come, I bet you they're already flooding in because it's an immediate impact. Like this is the type of book you read and you're touched immediately because it touches this most sensitive part of our heart. And that is the area that none of us really want to be vulnerable in. Yeah. It's forgiveness. Well, I think like that's why at the end of this book, like I have these, you know, these blank pages at the very end because it was like having for me personally to be able to talk to people and see when I brought up the topic of forgiveness, how people would often get very quiet <laughs> and they would start and they'd say, Oh, 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 forgiveness. Oh, that's interesting. And I'm like, is it? And you would start seeing these little wheels spinning in their head. And it was, it's, they oftentimes people will go back to a person or an incident in their life and they start thinking about, oh, I haven't practiced forgiveness in that, with that person or in that specific thing. I'm carrying that around. It's 20, 30 years later, or it's five years later, whatever it is. And even people that I have known for a very long time, when I would say I'm writing this book on forgiveness, I've had people that I've known for years that would burst into tears and say, oh, I'm struggling so much with that. I can't believe you're writing something on that. That's so interesting. I'm really, I really need help with that. So it has shown me and also to see the success of the book in such a crazy week, it has shown me that people are interested in the topic of forgiveness. They want to learn more about it. Totally. They want, they want that freedom, that gift to give themselves. And I have at the end of the book, these blank pages in a little workbook thing that was my sister Christina's suggestion, because these stories, as you know, are so intense and they're filled with so much substance and so much inspiration that it'll start to get you thinking about 
maybe a person from your high school that you need to forgive or, or, you know, something, a person, an old relationship, a family member, whatever it is. And to be able to have a place where you can write that down or write them a letter. That to me is, you know, I, my mom's friend said that she picked up the book and read it and she decided to write a letter to her sister that she hadn't talked to in a really long time. And I'm like, if I just hear that, like that is enough for me to know that this book has served its purpose and it's, you know, it's, it's done its job because at the end of the day, this isn't my book. It's, it has my name on it because I put it together, but it's the 22 people's stories in this book that were generous enough to give me their story. And also it's everyone's book because it's giving everyone a different gift in their life. And if it's forgiveness, then God bless, because I think it's, you know, any of us who've been able to practice it in our lives know that it's such an incredible gift to give yourself. And so if, if it can have that effect on other people, and then you can kind of see it unfold in your life, then my book will have served its purpose. It's oh, well, we love you guys so much. I know you're, uh, you're quarantined you. right now. And I know you got a, another meeting coming up, but we, uh, we adore you guys and think the world you. of you. And after all this is done, we will definitely get the, the boys together. And, and I know. Playing the poor. I know. So. I, I'm just watching the indoor golf slowly happen in the house. <laughs> yeah, 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 right, right, right. <laughs> slowly happening. It's all happening. Well, <laughs> well thanks, for, thanks for taking the time. Stay of safe. Of course. Thank and you. Love you guys. Oh, love you guys so much. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.